Well, good morning and welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. And as I always say, it's delightful to be able to be in each other's presence, to see, hear, bump into each other, all the things we get to do when we're around one another. Um, And for those of you who are connecting online, we're super thankful that you are able to be present with us also. And so really what I'm saying is just, I'm just happy that you're here in whatever way uh, you can be. I um, want to remind you, if you are online, you can go to our online platform at www.onelifeseattle.org live. And as Brian mentioned earlier, there's a bunch of goodies there for you. There's a Bible tab. There's uh, all kinds of ways you can connect through chat and things like that. So uh, please take advantage of that. Uh, from there, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dive into some more stuff. Uh, God, I give you great thanks for this day and for your presence with us. Uh, I ask that as we engage together... Uh, with your word, that you would speak to us in, in that same space, that it would be something of a, of a bringing together of people, of a bringing together of experiences that are marked by your presence and your life, um, Holy Spirit, that we would see the spaces and places where you have been moving um, and, and leading and guiding and, and counseling and comforting and all the things that you do. Um, yeah, so, so help us to be attentive to you and to one another today. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, we are in, uh, as Brian mentioned, we are in the third week of Lent. And um, Lent, as as we've talked about, is uh, this idea of the church's springtime. Um, And we did find out, Dean Peterson found out where this quote comes from. And yes, um, and me being the person I am, uh, forgot to put it in here. And so, Dean, I don't know if you remember the person's name. He'll look it up as I read it. Uh, it's Lent is meant to be the church's springtime, a time when out of the darkness of sin's winter, a repentant, empowered people emerges by... We're getting there. This was so exciting, right? This was... Oh, probably 10 or so. Charles Moore, who's the editor of this uh, Lenten devotional. And so when you, when you read the quote, at the end it just says, editors. And so we had to do some more digging. And Dean dug several levels deeper and found who the editor was. And we were able to now uh, give credit for that. But this quote, like, it, it, it describes this idea of the, the church being like the seed that's been planted in the dirt. And then as it's transforming and changing and shifting and, and moving to a space where it breaks through out of the soil into the sunlight, that that's the, the depiction of what Lent is like. It's that process of growing, and sometimes it feels like it's in the dirt, and, uh, and, and it can be difficult and challenging, but there's transformation that's taking place to break through into uh, Easter with the resurrection. And so that's the Lent part, but we called this series Lent Together because we also wanted it to be something more than just uh, a bunch of individuals who happen to be in the same space at the same time, but we want to hear from one another. We want to be with one another. We want to know what God has been doing in each other's lives and allow that to to kind of feed into this also. And so that's why we've set this series up uh, as we have. And so what we've been doing is there's uh, four, uh, two two-week sections. And the first one was last week on reflect. Um, And so we took a week and sort of defined what that is, what it looks like. And then last week, we just reflected, we shared. What's our experience been of the last three years? 
um, you know, starting if we, you know, we kind of remembered back, what was the first Sunday when we had a, a slide up that talked about COVID and, and, and the things we were needing to do and what that felt like and different experiences and things that people went through in, in those early phases. And it was quite, um, I was quite emotional about it, both during and afterwards. And as I've been reflecting on it, there have been lots of times this week where I just felt Oh, wow, I remember what that felt like, and, 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 and it does feel different now. Um, and so that was interesting uh, to explore. And so this week we're starting the section on what we've uh, been naming Restore. Um, and um, before I get too much into it, we also have Rename and Resurrect. And uh, we kind of went back, on, back and forth on what we wanted to do this week if we wanted to be restore or rename because in the, the, the narrative of Scripture, these accounts where they seem to kind of be quite intertwined, right? This, this idea of someone's being restored, but they're also being given a new name or, or something's being changed that gets a new name. And so we do recognize that they often happen uh, together or one before the other, but this is just the, the order we decided um, to go in, and so I think it's, we'll be fine, we'll manage. Um, but uh, I wanna reflect on this word restore, right? And so the word restore means to give back, to return, to put or bring back into existence or use, to bring uh, BCK, whatever that means, back, uh, or put back into a former or original state. And so there's this idea with restore that something was changed or lost or taken um, or uh, maybe just um, uh, came up missing or, or something happened and something is not the same. And then there's this idea that it gets put back into uh, a form or use that it was. And so when we think about this today, the, the process we're starting is going to be looking at what do we feel like over the last... This is what we're building to next week, really. Um, over the last three years, what things have changed or lost or been taken um, that we may want to have restored, both individually and but also as a church? What things do we feel are different here that, that uh, maybe we miss or maybe we realize are gone um, and that we want to have uh, restored? In order to do that, though, we're going to... Um, sort of do a, kind of a practice run um, where we're going to look at a story in Scripture where someone goes through a bunch of things and then there's a, a moment of restoration. Um, but what I want us to do is break into groups. Um, and so, and if groups aren't your thing, uh, that's fine. You can do this on your own too, right? It, it's totally up to you. And some of us, I've been talking to people today, I don't know if it's just the getting up early or losing an hour, uh, just the week that we had. Some of us just may not feel like we really want to talk to anyone today. So if that's you, take space, sit by yourself, work through this on your own, um, and, and then we're going to come and share in uh, a little bit. Uh, but, so here's what I need. So groups of, um, I think four would be good, three or four, um, and there's probably going to be more groups than I have uh, numbers, but as long as we get one for each, uh, each one, that'll, that'll work. So um, these are the, the, the passages we're going to look at. And so if you can go ahead and break into your groups right now, and then I'll make sure we have all the passages covered. So go ahead and get into groups of three or four, or if you want to sit on your own again, that's totally fine. And then I will, uh, I'll, I'll explain more once we get into our groups.
Yep, you can move chairs around if you need to. Okay, so I'm going to assign some passages. So over here, I'm going to ask you all to be group one. So can you take Genesis 25, 19 through 34? Yeah, you're one group. Yep, yep. Okay, and right here, can you take Genesis 27, uh, the whole chapter? Um, you all, can you take uh, group three, Genesis 28, one through nine? Um, group here? Okay. Can you take uh, Genesis 29, 1 through 35? Okay. And your group and your group? Okay. Uh, can you do Genesis 30, 1 through 22? Um, can you do Genesis 30, 25 through 43? And it's totally okay that we're doubling up. So uh, you all get to pick whatever passages you want to, right? So you're like the, yeah. So just pick one of those. And, and, and what I want you to do is... Have someone read through it, or again, if you're not feeling like having anyone read out loud, read through it on your own, uh, but I want you to answer the question from, from that passage. It's, it's one question. What is lost, removed, or damaged in this story that you're looking at? And then we'll do this for about 10 minutes, um, and, then we'll, and then we'll shift. So, and go. In that story, what is lost, removed, or damaged?
So about five more minutes. About two more minutes.
Okay, let's come on back together. Uh, and what I'd like is for each group or whatever passage your group looked at, if someone in your group can give like a, like a one-minute summary uh, just to give us an idea of, of what was happening, and then your group can share um, what, uh, what, what you discovered that was lost, removed, or damaged. The other thing I want to say is that I'm aware that there's a whole story that's in progress here, and so some of you have chunks that when you hear what other people say, you're going to go, oh, yeah. That builds exactly into what, I, and that's going to be just how it goes. So, um, so we'll be ready for that. So let's start uh, over here. Uh, you all had the Genesis 25 passage. Quick summary, and then, uh, oh, here, and I have a mic, too, because we're going to remember to do this this week. I'm not handing it to you. I'm just whoever in the group. You're just the, you're just the gateway. All right. This was the um, story of Jacob and Esau. And um, how, oh, you did too? It, it, it's a theme. No. Good. Okay, yes. Okay, great, great. Okay, so this part was about how um, Rebecca was unable to have children, which at first, so that's obviously was a loss to begin with and a struggle. And then um, how uh, Abraham had prayed and she was then expecting her sons. And even when she was expecting them, you know, she could tell that there was a battle happening um, um, in her womb. And she was told that they were gonna be the um, nations, um, the tribes, the two tribes. And then it goes into how um, with Esau and Jacob and the birthright and how um, how they were two very different personalities and one, you know, and Esau was more connected to his father and uh, Jacob was more um, close with Rebecca. And, um, and then obviously, you know, they have the situation with the hunting and coming back and being famished and uh, offering or asking for his birthright in place for, of the red stuff is this version I'm right. looking at says, which yeah. is do. Um, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, so he just gives away his birthright for a bowl of stew. And yeah, yeah. is that yeah. what you want me to say? That yes, perfect. And okay. so what then in your group, what did mm -hmm. you talk about that you saw that was lost, damaged, or, um, or removed? Well, the, just the initial piece where Abraham and Rebecca were unable to have kids for 20 mm -hmm. years was very challenging. And then the battle in her womb and finding out that this was going to be, you know, two sons that were going to be divided is another challenge loss. Um, and then the fact that we were kind of wondering, too, like, did they grow up knowing this? Right. Because then when he comes in and, you know, is offered this or he asked for the stew, like, was it like, well, I'm going to lose my birthright anyway. Sure, I'll take it over <laughs> some stew. I don't know. But right. uh, so, you know, and then obviously the loss of uh, birthright mm -hmm. when, um, you know, Jacob was ready to, to take that as soon as, or when he could, and yeah. Esau gave it over. Mm -hmm. Did I miss anything? No, that sounds about right. It's great. All right. Yeah, cool. I guess Esau had the um, first birthright because he came out slightly before Jacob, and Jacob, is, according to this, came out grasping his heel, which is what his name apparently yes. means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. 
Excellent. Okay, group two. This is a continuation of that story. Apparently it happens 40 years later, or 40 years after the birth, after they're born. And um, Isaac wants to bless Esau, but uh, Rebecca gets wind of this and tricks her husband by getting Jacob, by uh, Jacob being the one who got the blessing. And after he got the blessing, then of course, um, Esau came back in and wanted to get the blessing and he couldn't get the blessing. So there's a whole dysfunctional family, everybody working <laughs> against each other. <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of damaged relationships. Mm -hmm. And of course, a blessing was lost by Esau. And um, as a result of all this, of course, and Esau was apparently mad enough to at least threaten to kill his brother. Yeah. And so um, Isaac had to uh, go to the hometown of his mother, which was uh, pretty far away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was the hometown of his mother, right? Of Rebecca? Jacob had to go. Jacob. Yeah, oh, yeah. sorry, yeah. Jacob had to yeah. go. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah great. Not great, but good job. Okay. <laughs> Group over here. <laughs> I'll just again. I'm just. I'm just passing it. The person who touches it is not the person who has to talk. You can pass it on to somebody else. Or okay, I think it's me. Um, so in our passage, um, Isaac sent Jacob away to go get a wife, and. Yeah, and Esau saw that Isaac had sent Jacob to get a wife from Rebekah's family. Mm -hmm. And so then Esau is like, wait a minute, the daughters of Canaan are displeasing to my father, so maybe I should get a wife somewhere too. Another wife, because he already had some, I think, uh -huh. that were daughters of Canaan. And so Esau then marries someone from Ishmael's line along with his other wives in order to try to please his father, it seems like. There's a lot of dysfunction. Yeah. And, and yeah. just like everything is just getting kind of worse. All the relationships yeah. seem to be more and more damaged as mm -hmm. people do things to try to fix stuff. Any other? Is that it? Okay. Yeah, it feels like... Uh, there were a bunch of movies I watched uh, as a college student where one bad event would open up an opportunity for someone to choose something like, oh, let's, let's get the law involved and sort this out, or let's keep trying to cover it up. And they would always choose to keep covering it up, and it got so, so bad uh, after a while. Um, okay, who's, which group we got next? Let's, let's go. We're Genesis 30. Yes, that'll work. That's right. Okay, yeah. well, it... it that that skips. Who was... Uh, it was 29 up here. Yeah. Did we not get 29? Oh boy. You were 29? We were 29. Oh, okay. No worries. No worries. Yep. <laughs> like I've got the two chapters here. Okay. That's all right. That's yeah, all right. We're, we're chapter 29. That's right. The entire chapter, and it, it goes from bad to worse. Now it skips generations or moves another generation and opens up to someone else. So we get Jacob leaving to go find a wife, and it's the interaction of Jacob with 
uh, the man who is a distant relative and becomes his father-in-law, Laban, and we have here treachery, deceit, premeditated mm -hmm. <laughs> deception over years. Uh, this is where Jacob is asking uh, for, you know, offered wages and asked for Rachel as his wife um, if he works seven years. So he works seven years and Laban tricks him and gives him Leah, the older daughter, which was obviously quite unfair to Leah. And then there's this really, really crazy stuff here of God <laughs> deciding to favor Leah since she was not receiving love from Jacob by letting Leah conceive but keeping Rachel childless. So we're talking about that. Was, was that punitive to Rachel or is that just balancing the scales from God's perspective? That's really one of the mysterious things to me about that. Right. So what's lost and broken here? We said trust. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, depth, depth of trust, just yeah. totally, totally, uh, you know, betraying uh, Jacob, um, and then loss of trust uh, between Rachel and Leah through no fault of their own, but absolutely twerking their relationship. And then somehow playing some, it feels like cosmic lottery here with who gets to conceive and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. So that to me feels like I would be distrusting God if I were Rachel. Right. Yeah. So yeah. lots of brokenness. Did yeah. I miss anything? Thank you. Okay. And then Genesis 30. It was 31 22. Perfect. So we have the two sisters, Rachel and Leah, and this poor man, Jacob. Um, I just lost all my thoughts. That's no. all right. <laughs> it happens. So the, first, the, the, the biggest loss that we saw was that Rachel's not trusting God. Yeah. And so she, they, they uh, concubines get involved sleeping with Jacob to produce multiple children. And, and I think about the loss these concubines who were slaves must have had, giving up their children to these other women. Um, in the end, God comes through for everybody. But anything that I missed? Yeah, thank you. And then, oh, yeah. Okay, so the story continues, and Jacob decides that he wants to leave Laban's family, uh, but he has been working for Laban for 14 plus years now and doesn't have any wealth. So there's this inter interesting exchange between the two of them where um, they're trying to decide what. Jacob's payment will be for uh, working for Laban. Um, and they decide that Laban will get to keep all of the white animals and Jacob will get to take all of the speckled or brown animals. And then Jacob does some interesting livestock breeding and <laughs> produces a lot of speckled animals and gets really rich. So we decided that uh, we were also talking about the loss of trust um, and how there's like this um, ingrained um, working, like selfishness of like one person is working for their own good and one person for their own good. Um, and then there's also just like this loss of wealth for Laban as well. Mm -hmm. And deception yeah. Yeah. on both ends. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Over here. Now, you all might be repeating some. Came back to group one. 
Okay. Yeah. Did you have anything? You just similar observations yeah. that this family is just messed up. Right. Yeah. Right. So there you go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And oh, Mark. Yeah. Can you pass that on? Yeah, we had originally chosen the group four, and then we realized if we choose group three, we would lose like 26 verses. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> that was so really three, important yeah. to us that we would lose those 26 verses. Yes, so, there you go. That was. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, but we we had the verse where uh, Jacob went off because his father didn't like the Canaanite woman, or I think if you read the verse before it, it was actually um, his mom who said. I hate these women and go marry someone else. And, and uh, yeah, and then we didn't, we also didn't realize geography or tribes, and we were wondering if uh, Esau had married the woman he chose to spite his father. But, well, we weren't sure because, yeah, in yeah. losing all those verses, we lost context. And uh, Well, and, and either way, yeah. whether Esau is marrying to spite his parents right. or to please them, yeah, right, there's, there's a loss of, like, on so many levels uh, yeah. that, that he is yeah he in some ways is trapped by that and is trying to take power in that and is trying to control other people in that and his parents have set up expectations that are yeah no there's a lot in there for sure yeah thank you um and uh there's a lot in these in in the, the stories we looked at that we could say restoration needs to happen Right of of some kind, um, and so the the rest of the story, um, you know, uh, Jacob's leaving, and there and there's still more in it, and and the amount of deception that it got brought up. But one person, uh, his name is Paul Stevens. He was talking about this story, and he says, what happens with Jacob and Laban is Jacob kind of gets out Jacobed. Right, he's he's a trickster himself, and he sort of gets out. He sort of encounters himself in uh, Laban, and so now it's sort of a battle of the two. And so he sort of gets to see almost in a mirror, like, oh, this is what this behavior uh, does. But for him, it just heightens his uh, his need to do that. And so they sort of get into this battle of who's going to outdo the other person, and it ends up with them making this agreement. And Laban, I think, actually says it well, as he says, look. You know, build this memorial here, and you don't come on my side for any ill will, and I won't go on your side for any ill will. And so it's basically saying, unless we're going to, like, think well of the other person and, and try to be kind, we're having nothing to do with each other, right? We, we don't cross over this line. And so it's like a boundary. It's a very clear, like, boundary, right? And, uh, and so we can see even then, like, people were needing to form boundaries to try to manage relationships. Um, but what happens, so Jacob leaves. Um, and again, there's, there's, there's more drama in that. Uh, but he gets to a spot where he sends uh, messengers ahead to go talk to his brother. Um, and so he, and he, sends, um, he says, you know, I've, uh, I'm, I'm coming back and I've got all these animals and all this wealth. Um, and so uh, I'm hoping to find favor uh, in your eyes. His messengers come back. And what they say to him is, we went to your brother Esau. And now he's coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. Now, 
we don't have any other details about what these messengers may have said. I'm sure Jacob had follow-up questions to that, like, oh, did he look angry? <laughs> did he seem happy? What was, right? Uh, but the, the feeling that I get from this is that Esau's coming to conquer his brother who wronged him. And the last we heard about Esau is, one, he was threatening to kill his brother, and he was doing things to, to mess with his parents, whether it was for uh, spite or for, or for pleasing, he was, he was working those angles. And so Jacob, uh, in, in, a, in a moment of great fear and distress, it says, uh, sets out this plan. And he says, okay, so if I divide my group up, maybe... Esau will place all of his effort into conquering one of those groups, and the other will get away. Um, so he sends a group ahead, and then he breaks that group up into smaller groups. So each group, as they're approaching Esau, can say, uh, hey, I, I'm, I'm, Esau's going to ask, who are you? What are you doing with all these animals? And they're going to say, we're from your brother Jacob, and these are all for you. And Jacob is coming behind us, right? So there's this sort of procession that is happening. Um, and so it, it has this feel to it. And what he's trying to do is, again, he's trying to sort of uh, ease his brother's uh, perceived anger, right? Perceived vengeance. And, and he's doing it the way he's always done it, right? I'm, I'm going to use wealth. I'm going to use power. I'm going to try to appease my brother and settle this. But he doesn't know how it's going to go. And then Jacob prays, and he has this interesting prayer because he starts it off by kind of saying, uh, God, you're great, and remember, you're the one who told me to go back, right? Which is kind of a way of saying, so remember, this is kind of on you. Um, and, and, this, and again, it's his, it's his way of dealing with things, right? And it's true, though. I mean, it is absolutely true. God is the one who said, you need to go back. But now he's sort of putting it on God, saying, so this is a big mess. And he ends up saying, you know, and I really need you to do something, right, in this, in this space. Will you make me prosper? Please save me. And so again, he sends all these gifts to, to Esau. And then he camps in this spot. And, and this is how the, the narrative goes from there. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Yabak. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions, so Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's, Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched, and he wrestled with the man. And the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Now, I have a, this is a wood carving image of, um, of this moment. Um, and one of the things in it that, that I think is uh, super interesting is the, the combination of wrestling, but also almost embrace that is here. Um, and that uh, in lots of 
there's kind of two groups when it comes to depicting this with art. One is the, the people look like, uh, well, they look like models, right? And they've usually got long flowing hair and they're kind of standing like this and then they're wrestling, and, but they're not really wrestling. Uh, it's, it's very clear that's a, that's a posed idea. Uh, but this one, the other camp, the people looked like really entwined and, and almost like, like they're, they're, they're the same person. They're so closely connected and, and twisted. And lots of times God is not <clears throat> able, especially the face, is not able to clearly uh, be seen. Um, the, the other man, that, uh, as we read in the passage, but is representative of God. And so Jacob wrestles with God in this space. Um, and uh, there's a lot of things happening here because, um, and the thing that I think is the, one of the keys to all this is Jacob in the very beginning of this switches the birthright and then uh, goes and gets the blessing from his father. But it's not a blessing for him. It's a blessing for Esau. And so he, he receives a blessing, but uh, it's not for him, and he knows that. And so this is, not, this is not him receiving his father's love. It's him receiving the love that it was intended for Esau and that the father thinks is being given to Esau. And so in that moment, Jacob receives a blessing, but it's not for him. And so I think it's really key that in the end of this story, um, the, the wrestling is, is happening, and, and, and the man or God says, look, it's daybreak, and I got to go. And we can talk about that till 2 in the morning if we want sometimes really interesting to explore that. But, um, and he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Right? He doesn't say, I'm not going to let you go until you deal with this thing with my brother. I'm not going to do all this. I, 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 all I want is a blessing. There's something that's been missing from him his whole life. And this is, I think, one of the first times where he honestly expresses who he is, right, in this wrestling. Because the next thing, it doesn't say, and then the man blessed him. It says, tell me what your name is. He says, it's Jacob. He, he, and it's a way of him kind of owning Right? I'm, I'm honestly telling you who I am. I'm not trying to trick. I'm not trying to deceive. I'm not trying to, you know, even as he enters into this, right, he, he is kind of wagering power. But here's this moment where it's like, okay, God takes it and says, okay, you can wager power all you want, but what you need to do is be honest about who you are. Jacob, the trickster, the liar, the deceiver, the heel grabber, the usurper. Those are all words that get attached to Jacob's name. What he wants is a blessing. And so in this moment of restoration, God, it says, says your name's not Jacob anymore. It's going to be Israel because you've, you've wrestled with God and man and, and lived. Right? And so there's something that's, that's restored there. There's an identity that's restored. There's a, because that, that name, Jacob, when you, when you talk about heel grabber, usurper, all those things, there's, there's a wrestling spirit in that. So it, it doesn't say, yeah, uh, who you are as a person is just completely bad and wrong. It says the, the way you have, have sort of used who you are has not been the way that's in line with, with, with how I would like you to do that. So now you're going to be changed but you're still that wrestler. And 
so the new name is given, and there's, there's restoration that, that takes place, which, uh, uh, and the naming we'll, we're going to look at more next week, uh, explore more. But, and, and, and the reason I had us go through this story and think about all this and observe the loss and observe, that, and there's some kind of restoration, but it's not totally clear, and it's not, you're going to see later on that Jacob still has some things he does that you're like, oh, that's, you're still Jacob in some ways, um, He's trying to figure that out. But the reason I had us go through it is because I want us to see for Jacob, this was a long process of, of looking at his life, encountering his life in Laban, encountering who he was in another person, sort of seeing that behavior, and then getting to a point where it all had to come down to him, wrestling with God, to, to, to where all he had was who he was. Look, my brother's trying to kill me. I've got all this stuff. I've got his family. I got all this, I'm trying to do all this stuff. And now you're here wrestling me. Look, all I want is a blessing. Just tell me who you are. Oh, I'm Jacob. Right? And so there's a lot of work in that. And as we explore for ourselves and for the church what needs to be restored, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some together work, some time sharing just like we did early and like we're going to do more next week. Um, But I wanted us to be ready for that process, to be thinking about that. So this week, what I'm going to ask you to do is spend some time thinking, looking back at the last three years, some of the stuff we talked about last week, some stuff that was all at the beginning, but some stuff maybe later um, that's happened, some stuff up to today. What are the things that are stirring in your heart, things that you realize, oh, this was lost, this was taken, this was damaged, this was stolen, like whatever it may be. Um, you know, and I was really encouraged by how many of us, um, excuse me, brought up the relational things, because I think sometimes we say things like stolen and damaged, we think about physical uh, things, and that could certainly be part of it, but there's also relational stuff that has happened in the last three years um, that has been really difficult in those ways. And so this was all to give us sort of a, a feel for what I'm asking you to do this week, is to look at the last three years for you and for the church, um, and, and what kinds of things do you then see in that story that you can identify as things that, that need to be uh, restored. Um, so I want to invite the worship team up um, and the prayer team also. They'll be available if you have anything that's stirring in your heart uh, as, as we've been talking through this stuff and sharing. Um, if you would like prayer, they'll be there for you uh, also. Um, and uh, I don't have any questions for today. Um, I just want to sit for a moment, allow the team to, to play, um, and um, and then we'll, uh, we'll close with a song and a benediction. So I'm going to pray, um, and then we'll, then we'll move on. Uh, God, I'm, I'm thankful that in this story that just, it, uh, it's just a hard story, God. And there's so many things that are still, uh, don't feel answered, have, have stirred up feelings maybe of anger. And, and, and like we talked about, distrust, um, uh, not just for other people, but towards you. God, that there's, there's legitimate reason in here, I think, for people to feel like, God, what are you doing in this? How, how is this happening to me? Um, and then, uh, but to also see how you, you invite us into that wrestling, right? It's not something where we can't, we can't approach you and say, yeah, God, I'm, I don't understand this. I don't like it. Why is this happening? Um, and, and, and wrestle with you. 
Um, and I think much like the seed in the ground that is, is sort of transforming, that wrestling process is something like that. So I pray that as we uh, enter this, as we engage with you and with each other, um, that you would, Holy Spirit, uh, hold us together at times where it might get rough. If there are things that need to be said that are hard, um, that, that we would be able to hold those with, with grace uh, and kindness for each other. So be with us as we continue to enter into this process, God, and uh, yeah, help, help guide us as, as we, we seek you in this. In your name, Jesus. Amen.